1: Hi, hello, welcome to Let's Talk About Myths, baby! I'm Liv, your host and person who is really quite sad that this episode marks an end to the Odyssey. In case you guys haven't been made very, very, very aware, I really love the Odyssey. First, I just want to say thank you to those lovely Toronto listeners who came out to talk mythology and anything else we thought of in Trinity Bellwoods in Toronto while I was visiting last week. It was so incredible meeting some of you in person and just so wonderful that you came out thank you we had such a fun conversation and so many of you had such interesting questions and theories and man it was really awesome so again just thank you many of you have been asking about more of these little get-togethers and honestly it's all dependent on where i am at any given time because there aren't enough listeners where i actually live to warrant doing anything like that but i will say that something will be happening in vancouver in the near future But I can't say more just yet, so stay tuned, Vancouverites. Oh, where did we last leave our beloved friends in Ithaca? Oh, right. Odysseus and Telemachus had just killed so, so many men. And women. They killed so many people. Like, a lot. Odysseus has murdered every one of the suitors who had been tormenting his wife and son all these years. And it really went quite smoothly, if a little bloody. The suitors are gone and the blood has been scrubbed from the palace. Odysseus is cleansing the murder from the room. While Eurycleia, the loyal woman who's been with the family since Odysseus was only a baby, has gone to get Penelope, who has had no idea what's been going on. This is episode 60, Penelope Odysseus and a very special olive tree, The Odyssey, Part 13. Sing Muses of All the Dead Suitors Before Eurycleia goes to get Penelope, she first goes to all the loyal slave women around the palace. They've been cut off, shut up in their rooms while all of this has gone down, and Eurycleia lets them know what's happened. One by one, they go into the main hall where Odysseus has been waiting. They greet him with open arms, hugs, and kisses. Many have missed him, if they'd been around that long, and if they didn't miss him, they're simply happy and relieved that the suitors are finally done away with. They're psyched to see this guy. Odysseus is touched. He gets a little emotional at these small moments of welcome bit by bit he's realizing he's home and he no longer has to hide who he is he's feeling lighter happier with every passing moment even though he's also just committed mass murder but whatever that's not the point here meanwhile Eurycleia knocks on the door to Penelope's bedroom she's trying to hide her happiness and excitement but she's giddy Penelope answers the door half asleep she's been woken by Eurycleia's knocks Remember, Athena had put them all to sleep so they wouldn't hear what was going on downstairs or try to leave their rooms to investigate. Penelope! Eurycleia exclaims excitedly. Finally! Finally! I'm here to tell you that your beloved Odysseus, he's returned! Eurycleia lets it out in a rush of words. He's here! He's finally arrived home! He's killed all the suitors, killed them for threatening you and Telemachus for all these years! They're gone! And Odysseus! Odysseus! is here, in this very palace. Penelope, though, has been burned before. She doesn't believe you She doesn't think she's lying, just that she's mistaken. No, she says, the gods have made you mad. They have that power to turn even the sanest person crazy. That must be it. They've made you crazy. Why else would you say this to me, this ridiculous story? You know it will only lead to my sadness and despair. Why did you even wake me? I've just had the most wonderful sleep, the soundest I've had since Odysseus left those 20 years ago. Now, I must tell you here Emily Wilson's stunning translation has Penelope pointedly referring to Troy here, better known then as Ilium as Evilium. The wordplay, the brilliance. Sorry, I'm taking it back. E-Villium. Anyway, Penelope scolds Eurycleia for waking her for this nonsense, telling her that if she were anyone else, she wouldn't be treating her so kindly for this. Eurycleia's lucky she's been with the family for as long as she has. "'No, Penelope,' Eurycleia says. "'I'm not here to mock you or to convince you of something that isn't true. I'm not here to hurt you. He's here. Odysseus is really here.' Telemachus has known all this time, but he couldn't tell you. Odysseus had to disguise himself to convince the suitors. He's the stranger, the one who's been despised by the suitors, who you yourself spoke with just the other night. This is enough for now. Penelope believes her. She's thrilled. She jumps from her bed in excitement, hugging Eurycleia and sobbing. But how, she asks, if he is back, if it's true that he's in this house, how is it possible that Odysseus could have killed all those suitors? He's just one man, and there were so many of them. Comforting her, Eurycleia responds that she didn't see it happen, only heard the screams. I'm not sure how he did it, she says. We waited in our rooms until Telemachus came to get us when it was done. She tells Penelope that when she came to see Odysseus, he was standing amongst the bodies, Piles of bloody bodies, standing there like a lion with his prey just soaked in blood. "'But it's been cleaned now,' she continues. "'The bodies are all outside, the palace is clean, and at this very moment Odysseus is cleansing it with a fumigating fire. "'He asked me to come get you. "'Please, come with me so you can be reunited and live together happily.'" "'Finally.'" Eurycleia continues, practically buzzing in her excitement. Finally, he's home. Your wishes have come true. He's come home to find you and your son, and he's gotten rid of all the men that have made the palace such a trying place for so long. Eurycleia is too excited. She can't wait for Penelope to come with her, to come to see Odysseus, finally, in the flesh. But Penelope still is unsure. She's reconsidering her excitement. She'd gotten her hopes up too many times. "'Don't get too excited,' she tells Eurycleia. "'Telemachus and I would be thrilled if he'd come home, if it were really possible, but it can't be true.' No, some god must have killed the suitors for what they've done to us these long years. It was enough to anger the gods. It was their own actions that got them killed, not Odysseus. He's long lost, far away from Ithaca. I'm certain he was killed long ago, Penelope finishes, sadly. Eurycleia can't handle it. How could you say this? She asks Penelope. How can you say he won't come home? He's here. I promise you. He's standing beside the hearth right now. She thinks for a moment. How can she convince Penelope, who doesn't want to believe? I have proof, she says finally. When I was washing him the other night, I felt and saw the scar from when he was young, when he was impaled by the boar. I saw it and I knew immediately. I wanted to tell you, but he swore me to secrecy. It would have ruined his plans for the suitors if I'd told you. I swear it, Penelope. If I'm lying about this, you may kill me. Penelope is caring, if not trusting, of this news. Eurycleia, I believe you're not trying to deceive me, she says, but you're mistaken. It's hard to understand the gods and what they do. Come, she says, we'll go downstairs to see Telemachus. I'll see how the suitors have died and we'll meet this man who's killed them. The pair go downstairs. Penelope is torn. She doesn't know what to believe. She wants to believe Eurycleia, surely, but it's just not possible. How trusting should she be when she meets this stranger again, after what he's said and done? How much should she question this man who says he's her husband? Should she interrogate him, or go up and kiss him long and hard after all these years? She sees him when she enters the room. He's at the other side, by the hearth, the fire flickering. Hesitantly, she approaches and takes a seat across from this man. He isn't looking at her, he's looking at the floor, waiting to see what she says, what she believes. Penelope, though, doesn't speak. She sits in silence, looking at him, trying to decide how she feels. It seems like him, she thinks, though his clothes are dirty and unfamiliar. Telemachus speaks up. He is not happy with his mother. What are you doing, mother? Why are you being like this to my father, your husband? Why do you not go sit next to him to talk to him? Telemachus is actually being a real dink here, like really uncaring. Like actually really mad at her and accusing her of being cruel and heartless, saying no other woman would behave like this. But like, sorry, Telemachus, she's just being careful. This is new to her, if not to you. Stop being such an asshole. Telemachus, she says warmly. I'm confused. I don't know what to say. I can't speak or look this man in the eye. If it's really Odysseus, really my husband, after these 20 years, we'll have our own ways to recognize each other. Ways you just can't understand. Be patient. At this, Odysseus smiles to himself. He knows his smart and cunning wife too well. She isn't being cruel. She just needs better proof. Proof that it really is Odysseus. Son, Odysseus says, don't be angry with your mother. She needs to test me. Soon she'll realize we know each other too well. Now, I don't look like me. I'm dirty. My clothes are torn and old. Let her come to it herself. She can sit in silence for now. Odysseus lets Penelope be. He knows she'll believe him when she's convinced, and if she doesn't come to it on her own, he has ways of proving his identity to his wife. We have another concern, he tells his son, a pressing one. If a person kills even one other person, they must flee their country and seek purification in a foreign land. But we've killed so many, so many well-known and well-respected men of Ithaca. What do you think we should do? Odysseus asks Telemachus. You figure it out. "'Telemachus' basically says, "'cause again, he could be a real dink. "'You're the one who's supposed to be the smartest man around,' he tells his father. "'Tell me what to do, and I'll do my best to do it.'" "'Of course, Odysseus is indeed a much smarter person than his son, so he has a plan immediately.'" He instructs everyone to wash and change their clothes. Then he asks the palace singer to perform with his lyre, something cheerful, to indicate that something good and pure is going on within the palace. A wedding, perhaps? We can't let the news of the suitor spread too widely. We must get out of the palace while the singer is distracting those outside it, and when we reach the woods outside Ithaca, we'll await Zeus's instruction as to how to continue. The plan goes forward, and the people outside the palace are convinced. They speak to each other assuming that penelope has finally chosen a suitor and they're judgy about it too the townspeople discuss how penelope must have given in not had the strength to continue waiting for her husband i don't really think it's their business but whatever little do these judgy townspeople know odysseus is back and being awesome odysseus has himself cleaned up too one of the slave women Eurynome, gives him a nice bath and clean fancy fresh clothes he looks the part finally. Looks like he may soon resemble himself. And so, to finish it off, Athena pours back over him his attractiveness. She removes the guise that she'd placed on him, so he looks as much like himself as he did when he arrived on the shores of Ithaca. Better, even. She removes the tiredness, the scratches and bruises. She makes him more youthful. She removes all the remnants that showed what he'd been through since the war. Now that he not only looks like himself, but a better, more impressive, even more godly version of himself, Odysseus sits down next to Penelope. Odysseus, now looking young, beautiful, and fresh, sits down next to his wife, He's ready to try convincing her. He kind of jabs at Penelope, bugging her for not trusting him yet, not accepting that her husband has returned after all these years. It's a little harsh, but it seems more loving when coming from Odysseus. He respects her. He calls her extraordinary in her resolve. He asks Iroclia to make him up a bed, since his wife doesn't trust him yet. I'm not being proud, Penelope tells him, not trying to make light of this big event. You look like you always did. You look just as you did before you left for that war twenty years ago. Eurycleia, Penelope calls out. Go bring this man's bed, make it up outside the room he built. Pull the bed from the room and make it up for him with fresh blankets and quilts. What? Odysseus calls out at this. He's shocked. Hurt emanates from his voice. Who moved my bed? he asks her, surprised. It would be near impossible for even the most skilled person to move the bed I made. Only a god could do it with ease. No, he says, there's a trick to the bed I made. I built it with my own hands. There was an olive tree, a strong, sturdy olive tree with beautiful, long leaves. I built the bedroom around that tree. I built the room by hand, with stone walls and a roof. Finally, I used my bronze and my own hands to turn the tree into the bedpost and i built the bed around the tree penelope my wife odysseus says did someone cut the olive tree trunk to move the bed or is it still safe this is all penelope needs she relaxes her body lets go of the anxiety the stress and fear this is proof Penelope bursts into tears and runs at Odysseus, throwing her arms around his neck and kissing him. "'Don't be mad,' she tells him. "'You've been so understanding, and the gods have given us so much suffering. Forgive me for testing you and not trusting you when you returned home. I've been in such fear, constantly worrying that this could be some other man, someone playing a horrible trick on me. I've had years of only the worst, most dishonest men.'" But you've proved it. Only the two of us knew about the bed and how you made it. I'm sorry, I just have to take a moment and express to you how much I love this part in the story. Just, God, so much. The olive tree bed. The proof. Fuck, this story is beautiful and this moment is amazing and I fucking love the Odyssey. This is all Odysseus needs to hear from Penelope. He holds her even tighter and starts to cry himself. They refuse to let each other go, neither one wanting to break off. They've missed each other so badly and for so long. Athena even extends the evening, making the time for them even longer. She knows they'll have to break free when dawn arrives. So she holds her back.
0: When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan,
1: Finally, Odysseus speaks. They're not at peace yet. Penelope, we haven't reached an end to our struggles. There's more I need to do. Odysseus tells his beloved wife about his trip to the underworld, how Tiresias told him there were more labors for him to complete. For now, though, he tells her, let's just go to bed. We can deal with the rest in the morning. Penelope, though, isn't a wife to just sit back and let shit happen to her. She tells Odysseus that they'll go to sleep in the bed that he built for them. But since he's already mentioned these labors, he must tell her what they are. Odysseus recognizes how impressive his wife is, how brave and cunning. He asks her why she wants to know. It will only hurt her. But he doesn't let her answer. He knows why. It's why she's so fucking awesome. So he tells her that Tiresias told him that he must travel to different cities, holding an oar, until he finally reaches men who don't know about the ocean, who don't even use salt, and have no knowledge of boats. He tells her that Tiresias told him that when he reaches that land, a person there will think that he's carrying a winnowing fan, and he must set it there in the earth and make a sacrifice to Poseidon. Then, he says... When he finally reaches home after this, he must also give some necessary gifts to all the gods in the sky, and if he does all this, he says, he's been told he won't die at sea and will grow old comfortably before having a peaceful death surrounded by those he loves. Penelope listens intently, and when Odysseus has finished telling her what he believes he must do, she reassures him that if it's the case that this will bring him a long life and a peaceful death, Then surely there's an end to all their troubles. So the couple finally reunited and happy and God, how beautiful was that moment? The couple goes to bed in their beautiful olive tree bed. They have a lot of great, it's been 20 years, sex before spending the rest of the night telling each other stories Penelope tells him how awful it was having the suitors half-running their palace of Ithaca, constantly eating all their food and killing all their livestock. Odysseus tells her how many people he had to hurt in his travels, and all he went through to get back to Ithaca. He tells her about the lotus-eaters and the cyclops, about when he reached Aeolus, how there would still be yet another storm, how they dealt with the Lystragonians, He tells her about Circe, though probably not about all the sex, about his visit to the underworld and his conversation with Tiresias. He tells her about the sirens and Scylla and Charybdis. Odysseus tells Penelope about how his men ate the cattle of Helios, how that ruined them. And then he tells her about his time on the island of Calypso, how she trapped him and wanted him to marry her. And finally he tells her about his time with the Phaeacians, before they finally helped him arrive back in Ithaca. And when his epic story spanning years and years is finally finished, they sleep. When Odysseus and Penelope have gotten enough sleep, Athena allows Dawn to bring light to the world, finally waking them. Though he isn't happy about it, Odysseus tells Penelope that while they've missed each other all this time, there's work to be done before they can be content. He must go and replace the stores the suitors have eaten up, getting new sheep and whatever else. But first he'll go to see his poor father out in the countryside. While I'm gone, you're smart enough not to need orders, he tells Penelope, because fuck yeah she is. So, with some of the loyal herdsmen and his son Telemachus, the group dons some armor, grabs their weapons, and together they go to visit Laertes, Odysseus's father. Meanwhile, Hermes travels to the palace in Ithaca, and wakes the spirits of all the suitors that Odysseus and the others have killed. This is Hermes' job sometimes, bringing those who have died to the underworld. He's the only god who can travel easily between those worlds. And so he brings the suitors with him, to the underworld. There, Achilles' ghost is speaking, and with him, of course, Patroclus, Ajax too, and even Agamemnon. Once again, the stories of Achilles's tragic death and all the associated mourning are told, and Agamemnon's too, but mostly they talk about how unjust his was, how it would have been better if he died at Troy, far more valiant than being killed by her wife and her lover. Agamemnon spots the suitors then, and he knows some of them, asking how they ended up in the underworld when they were so young and strong. Amphimidon tells Agamemnon a stretch of a story that Penelope really never told them no, that she planned their deaths this whole time, that she planned it as far back as the weaving and unweaving incident. He tells Agamemnon everything that happened, far too much detail to be added in at the end of the story where it all happened. Like, he basically just retells exactly what we just read in the book. But I mean, as I've said, Homer could have used an editor. Regardless, the story is retold, with some details changed because the suitors are feeling sorry for themselves. At this, Agamemnon doesn't pity the suitors or even praise Odysseus. He praises, simply, Penelope. He calls her a wife of virtue, a strong woman. Her fame will live forever, he says. The deathless gods will sing of Penelope. On earth, Odysseus travels with the others to finally see his father, Laertes. They reach his property, but they don't see him. Odysseus sends the men inside to prepare dinner for them all, while he remains outside because, of course, he wants to test his father, because he's Odysseus. He finds Laertes alone in his orchard, digging a hole for a new tree. He's ragged, his clothes are falling apart. He's sad, of course, he's always sad. He misses his son. Before his father sees him, Odysseus watches him for a bit, overcome by grief. He wonders how to handle it to test him or to give in immediately, hugging his father after all this time. But he's Odysseus. Finally, he approaches Laertes. Old man, he calls, you've got a beautiful garden. You're skilled in what you do. But I must say, and please don't take offense, but you don't seem to take very good care of yourself even though your land and your gardens are perfect. He tells his father that he looks neglected. Though his person suggests he's a master and not a slave, his clothes look like the latter. "'Tell me,' he says. "'Whose slave are you? Whose garden is this? Am I in Ithaca?' he asks, feigning ignorance of all that surrounds him. "'Someone told me I was, but I don't trust them. I'm looking for an old friend of mine, but I don't know whether he's living or dead.' A long time ago, in my native land, far away, I had a guest stay with me. He told me he was from Ithaca, and that his father was Laertes. Odysseus goes on, telling Laertes about his time with this guest. Finally, through tears, Laertes tells Odysseus that, yes, he's reached Ithaca, but that it's been overtaken and he'll find nothing good at the palace. If you'd found your guest friend here and still living, you'd receive quite the welcome, he says. How long since you saw your guest?" he asks. Laertes tells the man he doesn't know is Odysseus, that they don't know whether his son is alive or dead, that his mother never got to lay him to rest, nor his wife Penelope, that there was never a funeral, even though the dead deserve it. Finally, he asks, Who are you? From what city? And of course, Odysseus makes up a lie, as he does. A long and detailed lie. A new one, too. He tells Laertes that it's been five years since he saw Odysseus. This does pour Laertes in. Grief overtakes him, and he begins to sob. Odysseus is a dick sometimes, I mean, really. Anyway, at least this grief-stricken, sobbing father is enough to snap Odysseus back into being a half-decent guy. He rushes to his side and wraps his arms around his old father. It's me, he says. It's your son, Odysseus. It's been twenty years, but now I'm here, I'm finally home. Stop crying and I'll explain. I'll tell you everything. But first, I've killed the suitors for all they've done. Laertes obviously requires proof that this is his son, because that was a fucking mean trick, so why the hell would he believe him now? So Odysseus shows him the scar, the proof that he's used before. Then he tells his father all the trees that grow in the orchard around them, telling him about what the pair used to do together when Odysseus was just a boy. I used to ask you the name of the trees, he says, and you told me them and promised them all to me. This is enough. Laertes knows it's his son before him and he gives Odysseus a back-breaking hug before fainting in Odysseus' arms. When he wakes, he asks Odysseus if it's true that the suitors are dead after all this time, and if it is, he fears what the rest of Ithaca will do when they find out. But Odysseus explains he has a plan, and the two go inside where dinner is being prepared. Laertes has a bath, and Athena uses her magic on him. He emerges more youthful, clean, and vibrant. They have dinner telling stories through the evening, while even more slaves who knew Odysseus fawn over his return. But, meanwhile, in the city, rumors of the suitors' death has spread and eventually the people of Ithaca find out. The bodies are removed, some buried, and some return to their homes if they're from far away. The people gather at the palace, friends and family of the suitors there to confront the killers. The father of Antinous, the first suitor to be killed, he's there and especially worked up, because, I mean, his son was killed. He works up the crowd into a frenzy of anger. They wish to remove Odysseus before he can do more damage. But before they can act, the two men Odysseus spared come out to speak with the gathered crowd. These two men, the only two to survive, they tell the group that Odysseus couldn't have done it without the help of the gods, and that they'd even seen one, disguised as mentor. At this, another man stands up. He explains that some people had already tried to tell the suitors to stop what they were doing, that they'd tried to appeal to the suitors' family members to do the same, that it was wrong what they were doing, and that none had listened. The crowd is too angry, though, and this isn't enough to temper them. They move to find and attack Odysseus. The crowd gathers, making their way to Odysseus where he's finished his dinner with his father. He knows they're coming. They've been watching. They prepare themselves, putting on armor and grabbing their weapons so they can confront the crowd coming for them. Athena helps them all, giving Laertes all the energy he needs. They attack the crowd and kill a number of them before Athena stops them. She calls out to stop the war, to return everyone to where they came from. This godly voice stops the crowd in their tracks. They turn back toward Ithaca. But Odysseus tries to kill more of them while they're retreating, before Zeus sends a lightning bolt, nearly hitting Athena and reminding her that she needs to rein in her man Odysseus. He listens to her orders, it's Athena after all. And at this, she has the two sides stop their fighting and swear an oath of peace for the future. Well, friends, that somewhat anticlimactic end is the Odyssey. I think Homer could have used someone telling him there could have been a better ending, but such is life. It's ancient, after all. It's pretty perfect otherwise, so who am I to judge? This book is my favorite. I love it so much, and fuck, you guys. Emily Wilson's translation is just incredible. I want to read it forever. I want to cover this story forever. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself now. Next week. I'm not giving up on the Odyssey just yet. I can't. So I'm going to tell you about Penelope, and perhaps clear up my own confusion about the end of the book, Circe. But mostly, Penelope. Because Penelope's a fucking badass. You're all the best, I'm Liv, and I love this shit.